0: You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
1: With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
0: I'm Helen Farmer. This is Farmer's Kitchen, brought to you by Spinneys, a celebration of all things food and getting you in the mood for the weekend. We were celebrating the snacks of our home countries, even having a taste test. Plus, had the Mattar, king of the barbecue on hand to talk about getting behind the grill this season. Laura Coughlin was telling us some of the must-do foodie activities and experiences in the UAE. From burgers on the beach to dining in the desert. Getting the industry insider's take on success and failure in F&B. Plus food waste. What can you do at home, in the supermarket and when you're dining out and meeting the plant-based chef? You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
1: With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
0: I've got the biggest smile on my face for a few reasons. Number one reason is Laura Cocklin is with us in the studio, industry insider. The other reason is the array of snacks in front of you, Laura. Aren't, aren't I a good interviewer? Do you know what? I think I might make this a rule. If you want to be on the radio, <laughs> yeah. you've got to bring snacks.
2: I'm totally just sucking up and I've just scoured the supermarket as quickly as I could to get all the treats that I could think of. I am here for it.
0: So <laughs> obviously we are having a bit of a, a British snack celebration because yes. that's where I grew up, where you grew up. I have got Tunnock's Caramel Wafers. What? I've never heard of those. Are you serious? I'm serious. My nana, um, Flo, there was the Tunnock's man and he had like a little old fashioned van and he used to come around and sell biscuits and tea. He said getting get into the oh, that was very very retro. That is that, very cute. Twiglets. Yes, of course. But ugh. they're not great. No. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't be putting them forward, but I felt like you know, Chloe needed to try them. She she she, she wasn't, wasn't too bad. Um and obviously the monster munch are gone.
2: Yes. They I were. mean, monster munch is, is key. Monster but, munch, quavers, skips, all in the all in the same. There we category? What have you brought for us? Okay, um, so I I mean to say, I sort of it was like a supermarket sh- sweep. It was as quickly as I could to try Go. and find the bits. Um, but my highlights include Jaffa cakes as a must. Yes, um, I got party rings, which <gasps> I feel like were every sort of every children's birthday party had to have party rings. Total And you'd catnip you'd, to you'd, a child. You'd steal ten of them and for <laughs> all of that. you put one on each finger and, and thumb and you just run off and, and feel very um very proud of yourself. So I got myself some party rings for one pound twenty nine. Brilliant. Um, How <laughs> does it par- say it on yeah, the offer? Yeah. Amazing. Um I've got some Milky Bars, I've got a big carton of Ribena. I've I'm got-
0: stealing that for my husband. My Nick is an absolute Ribena. F- freak.
2: Nick it is a gift to you Mm -hmm. I've got cheese and onion, uh, Walker's crisps, quavers, I've got penguins, the original. Oh now the penguin versus Tim Tam debate
0: (sighs) rages on in the ARN studio and Aussie producer Chloe is going to be delighted with
2: this Tim Tams, I think, are superior. Do you know what? I totally agree with you. Don't tell, don't tell anyone at McVitie's. Mm. Sorry, um, but I agree. I think, I think, I think, penguins was the OG. I feel like penguin for us was the OG. Oh yeah. And then Tim Tams came in and made it elegant. It's like I feel like it's the Hargan dazs of like ice cream. You know, elevated. It's, like the, it's an elevated yeah. penguin.
0: Loved a penguin though. Like that, that's when you knew your family loved you when you got a penguin <laughs> in your lunchbox. I it always used to feel like the ones in the red wrappers tasted better.
2: <laughs> Which is the ones I've brought. Um, so I've got those. And last but not least. I've got some Hubba Bubba and, of course, some Dib Dabs. Sherbet Dib Dab. How good. So good that I bought two in case you wanted one and I, I wanted to take I, one home. I obviously do. It's really
0: interesting that to hear everyone's kind of snacks of nostalgia. Isabella saying, I love Walker's Prawn Cocktail Crisps. They were like my after-a-night-out cure at university. That and an orange calypso to sort me out every single time. Uh, we've had street food from Nigeria. We've had lots of crisps. Everyone loves a crisp. Oh, yeah. I mean,
2: that's the ideal snack.
0: Isn't it? Uh, nachos from the US, smothered in cheese, jalapenos, olives, whatever floats your boat, and dipped in Uncle Dan's sour cream right. Crisp and dips. At one point, I was saying, this was before I met my husband, if I ever get married... The wedding food will just be crisps and dips. Amazing. I didn't, I didn't do it and I've, 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 I'm, I'm devastated about it. So Renewal. This, yeah, it's, yeah, it is 10 years this year. Crisps and dips for everyone. Um, Laura Coughlin, you are all over Dubai eating, meeting, talking food. Yes. And it is guest season. I've just had literally just before the show I had mum going, my friend Sue's coming to Dubai where should she go? I was like, here we go.
2: I know. I, you need to narrow down. That's such a it's such a broad statement, isn't it? Where Where should we go? I'm like, well, do they want Middle Eastern food? Do they? What's their price bracket? Do they want a brunch? Are they bringing family? It's it's you know, we're these walking encyclopedias, I'll which I don't hate, but I'll it's just sort,
0: difficult. I'll sort out. I'll sort out soon. But you've put together a little uh, bit of a, a hit list on the food front when you've got guests, friends, family in town. What is number one, Laura Coughlin?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, look, I don't know about, about you, but, you know, people ask us all these questions. They say, you know, what do I do when I'm in Dubai? And, it, you know, you can name off, you know, activities and landmarks and all this kind of stuff, but people do tend to come to you and me and go, right, what are these, what what, what should I eat? What are the foodie experiences? Mm-hmm. And, of course, we can, tend, we can send them off to, you know, some of the best restaurants, you know, whatever Watson says is the best restaurant or Michelin or, or World's 50 Best. But what are the experiences? So it's a little bit more... There's more to it than just going to uh, an average, great restaurant. Yeah. We want we want those things that people will talk about that are, that are that are really true experiences that people really enjoy. So, my first one I've just had a guest, uh, a friend of ours, both that we we know yeah. and have worked with. Um, so, she came over has and knows Dubai. She's like, you know, what should we do that's really special? So, num- num- my number one for any guest coming into town who is mobile um, is grabbing a kareem bike. On Kite Beach, starting off by Burj Al Arab and cycling down to Kite Beach and stopping for a salt burger. That is like my top... If the weather is cool like it is now, I mean... peak
0: nowhere better. It's
2: There is nothing better than cycling down... I mean, it's 20 dirhams a bicycle for the day. And you cycle on down, um, stop off at salt burger get yourself a slider cycle on now you can go to common ground yes, and grab a nice jokes tea and d- ness, ness. exactly and then you carry on down and you can cycle all the way we cycled all the way down to business bay and it's just such a lovely dubai experience that most people don't really do you know yeah, I'm so good. um so that is my top one and, and i mean stopping up for burgers is-
0: it's always great always good we have got more to add to your list from dining in the desert to getting the best of the city under one roof Laura Cochlin is with us in the studio if you want to add yours where are your must visits when you've got guests in town on the food front we're going to be rounding up a few more plus the dates for your foodie diary I'll tell you what it's a busy season indeed this is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye
1: 103.8 with Spinneys eat well, live well
0: Food writer, industry insider, gal about town. Laura Coughlin is with us in the studio and she brought sherbet dib-dabs so she can stay. Um, w- let's talk about where to go, what to do. We've just been discussing some of our favourite foodie destinations when we've got friends in town. I was at Time Out Market the other night and it came to mind that this is just the, the destination, especially at this time of year. They open the windows up. You've got the view of the fountains and the Burj Khalifa. Mm-hmm. And it is basically a celebration of some of the city's best spots yeah, in one spot.
2: Hundred percent. You know, it, sometimes it pains me to say it, but I, I couldn't have done a better job of <gasps> picking the the best homegrown restaurants and putting them into a market. Mm-hmm. If I could have, if I could have done it, if I had that power, I mean, the list is brilliant. So kudos to, to Timeout for for kind of putting together a great list. And what's even better is that, for for especially for us you know we get to try different ones because sometimes they rotate they some keep guys it fresh. some guys leave and some guys come in yeah. so uh, we champion that
0: so it went there on monday um by the way live music monday night was um, they were incredible a musical duo called salt and pepper two older guys one black one white okay amazing singing soul jazz i know They were just, I had a message on Instagram going, you're incredible. You make me want to get married again to have you at my wedding. They were amazing. Uh, But three new places at Time Out Dubai were joined uh, by a couple of the chefs last week. So you've got Odion, so beautiful cheese board, great kind of tartartin. Alici doing lovely pastas and uh, seafood from Italy. Um, And Kelvin of Jun's. They've got little Jun's, so lobster rolls we had, amazing slice of cake. So Time Out Dubai. The market is incredible for ticking all the boxes for all people. And if you're feeling a bit bougie, book the editor table and they bring you your food. Oh,
2: yes. Alsa um, Cal's on your list as well, Laura. Yeah, look, I think I, I'm i trying to try and uh, when I'm thinking of foodie experiences, I'm trying to make it so it's not just a regular restaurant. Right. Yeah. So um, I think sort of going to explore al Avenue and al cars and ta- you know tagging along some of the lovely little food and ca- food uh, restaurants and cafes that they have in there is perfect they also have the odd pop-up there was Ugly Noodles that had a, a stall there Rascals the brilliant sandwich shop they started off there so you can kind of find these new and exciting little little pop-ups uh, Lila Taquiera they're it's gonna just open yeah so this is another reason you know this uh, Lila is a wonderful uh, Mexican restaurant that was originally down uh, down by the beach and now they've just opened up um, an exciting little pop-up in um, in Ausacal you've got Nightjar which has been I think I think it's won now every single award that's possible across all the media outlets in Dubai, and rightly so. Project Chaiwala um, in um, Cinema um, Cinema Keel. Keel. Uh, You've got Wild and the Moon. So there's loads of lovely little places to explore when you go and have a look at the galleries. Um, In particular, right now, I just popped into Golf Photo Plus yesterday, which has an amazing collection of photographs uh, depicting the Middle East, predominantly Dubai, uh, taken by... Uh, Dubai-based photographers or photographers that used to be here, and it's really, really cool. Ooh, all right.
0: Get that on your your weekend list, and when you've got guests in town, arts and snacks at Mm Al-Sakal. You've also got dining in the desert, Sonara. Oh, yeah. I always say it wrong, so I'm going to embarrass myself by saying Bukhata.
2: Bukhata? I would say it was Bukhata. I feel like I'm not saying it Arabic enough. Oh, okay. Well, same.
0: Okay. I apologise. But you know where we mean.
2: Fish. We mean well. We mean well with our terrible pronunciation. Um, but yes, so dining, dining. There's for the desert experience, you've got to, it y- used to be you'd go and do a desert safari on a June, you know, June bugging and you're lucky if you got like a bit of a cold shawarma. Yeah, a bit of pitter. Yeah. yeah. Now, thanks to Sonara, they've made it really, really stunning. Have you been? Never been to Sonara. Oh, Helen, you would love it. Your kids would love it as well. We're taking the kids. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> Ditch them then. But, but, but bring a, a, people from out of town. It is one of those experiences that really is one of the most memorable sort of events that they will do. So you go into the Dubai Desert Conservation Reserve and they have done it up like, I mean, it's just destination of dreams. It's all lit up with fairy lights. Um, there's, it is licensed as well, which is great. Um, and you sort of dine, you sort of relax at the top top of this mountain, this dune, where you have some drinks and canopies, And then as the sun sets, you go down into this crater and you have the most exquisite dinner. It is so good. And it is so well um organized that it's just it makes for a really really special evening it's not cheap i think it's about 890 dirhams Yikes. maybe per person so it's not cheap but it is it is really really wonderful you, you also might spy the odd um like celebrity this is oh, this is like what yeah. they do so I would highly recommend that, and then of course, boucheté on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. You know, go down to the beach and have fresh fish, a kilo of prawns, and sit on the beach and carry sauce and paratha. Yeah, exactly. Happy on like days. plastic plates, it's fun.
0: We've run out of time. Um, you, I know. I know we were talking about sherbet dibdabs and penguins for too long. Oh yeah, um, Laura did also bring in a list of some brilliant foodie dates for the diary. So you've got sold X B, you've got rugby sevens next weekend, yeah, um, and for the very first time in Abu Dhabi, Michelin Guide Food Festival. We are <laughs> going to be chatting with those guys very soon to find out exactly how they're celebrating the incredible diversity and quality of Food Across the UAE. In the meantime, Laura, you've got brilliant recommendations, incredible interviews with other foodie insiders. Where can we find you on Instagram?
2: Yes, please do follow me on By Laura We I just go around asking all these brilliant culinary insiders. Um, Helen, I'm going to get you on as well. <laughs> I want to know what your best restaurant is. I want to know what your underrated restaurant is. And I want to know your favourite bar. Oh, I can tell you, happily. Great. Both, well, the tables will turn. You can ask me the questions Amazing. next time. Sounds
0: great. If you want that, just send me the word food. I'll happily send you the link for more foodie inspiration. Are you going to leave me a sherbet dip dub?
3: Mm, a party ring? Maybe.
0: Okay. Yeah, okay. okay. If you want to come back, you will. Okay,
3: then definitely. <laughs> it's all yours. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye
0: 103.8.
1: With spinnies. Eat well, live well.
0: King of the barbecue is here. to he is cook for royalty, for politicians, for Dubai's hungry food scene. He's cooked in the Maldives, in the desert, in his garden, and his live fire cooking restaurant concept, Fire, is open again for the season. I wish you are in the studio, Hutton. Where are you? I'm in Abu Dhabi, cooking for Formula One. Oh, what What do you mean, cooking for Formula One? What does that What does that look like? Who, who are you barbecuing for and like,
4: where? That looks like uh, all of the, the yachts that would like barbecue catering. Uh, mm. We show up with our barbecue and, and feed all of the yachts, and then we've got uh, a star-studded line of us uh, star-studded lineup of uh, performers that we're feeding backstage. Oh, my gosh.
0: Are you going to be doing barbecue for Dave Grohl?
4: Uh, Chris Brown. No way. Oh,
0: my gosh. Well, thank you. Thank you for giving us five minutes of your time. Before No,
4: get out of here. You
0: guys are first. You guys come first. (laughs) Sorry, Chris. Um, Before we start start talking barbecue and fire, um, you can't win this prize because you are a friend of the show, but I've got a 500 dirham voucher for the person that can convince me that the snacks from their home country are the best. And we've had some very convincing entries. Custard cream, biscuits, uh, pastel de nata, custard tarts from Portugal, says Bella, banana chips, prawn ris- rissoir I hope I'm saying that. Prawns in a sweet and savoury masala. Yum. Where did you grow up and what was the best snack for you? What takes um, you back?
4: So I'm obviously partial, but Egyptian street food snacks are like they cover every end of the spectrum. You've got uh, batata, which is uh, sweet potato roasted in an oven that, that has wheels. So the guy's just doling out sweet potato. Uh, there's dom, there's uh, teen shoki, that is the cactus fruit that the guy peels for you uh, right there on the cart. Um, there's uh, corn on the cob. Oh, my God, just it, 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 Egyptian snacks, period. End of story. That wins it.
0: Okay. mm mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. There's another yeah, couple of can, can hours for people. Can, can no, I, I told you, you can't no. win. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, now, well, you are one of the busiest people right now. In fact, just year round. Um, tell us about FIRE. For anyone that hasn't been, where is it? And I understand even just a couple of days after reopening the doors, it's already full. Explain the yeah, concept for right. us. So,
4: hi, super grateful. FIRE is uh, an incredible space. It's uh, designed by my partners and I to reflect all of the live fire cuisines of the world. Uh, Our head chef, Gonzalo, is uh, somebody who I cooked with at the World Championships in Brazil. And then I said, you know what, we need to do something together in Dubai. So uh, it's in Maidan. It's across the street from WellFit. If you look up um, the Kitura Reserve, it's in the heart of the Kitura Reserve. So we're right there on the street, actually. You'll see it from a mile away because it's the only place that has Thousand-year-old olive trees and a lot of lights and paddle courts. It's beautiful.
0: I mean, it really—it's it, such a stunning spot. I think it became like an instant Instagram kind of destination. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. It's designed that way. It's designed that way. The guys behind Matcha uh, Paddle Courts are the people that did the uh, the design and all the um, horticulture and stuff. So it's gorgeous. designed that way. It's designed to be gorgeous and then be very delicious.
0: That's what I say feast for the eyes but also feast for the tums. Tell us about what's on the menu. Have you added anything in for the new season? What are you excited to serve up because it's all oh, about live you. fire.
4: Yes ma'am we've got uh, we've got fish we've got shrimp we've got steaks we've got hanging tomahawk we've mm. got lamb we've got um what's it called we've got our brisket fatir we've got dubai's best burger we Ooh. did one point we did one point do you remember that burger right it's, it's so good
0: it's a big oh my shout God.
4: We, did, <laughs> we did we did we did uh, we did, uh, did 1.6 million burgers last year <gasps> yeah isn't that bananas
0: hang on let's just have a quick recap dubai's best burger what do you think sets it apart chef hatamata
4: that it's there's nothing in it but the burger we grind picanha we put cheese there's a little bit of sauce a brioche bun goes over the grill bob's your uncle fanny's your aunt yeah
0: (laughs) all right dad (laughs) and what about dessert are you even firing desserts
4: yes ma'am we've got uh we've got cast iron dulce de leche crepes we've got uh, that also come from the grill we've got uh camel milk flan we've got roasted pineapple with ginger cream so everything, everything you could possibly imagine from the fire, we make it. That's oh. why it's called fire.
0: So, and it's spelled. Let's be on. Let's let's make it easy for everyone. F I
4: Y A. Yeah. Um, from from the desert and the element, so fire, the element, and then fire, the desert. So, and, which is Albar bar and the wild. So, essentially, the place is wildfire.
0: Now, as I said, you can't win this prize. However. Yeah. If you were to win 500 dirhams to spend on barbecue ingredients, accessories, condiments, spices, what would you okay. be spending that money on in Spinneys?
4: I, I would go, I would go, uh, I would get a beef cheek. I would get salt, pepper, garlic. I would get uh, apple oak chips or apple wood chips. I would smoke that for four hours, pull it apart and make uh, either beef cheek chawarma or beef cheek tacos.
0: <laughs> oh my God. We, need to, we need to make this a reality.
4: We really do. We need to hang out, you and I. Oh,
0: my gosh, we do. Thank you so much for coming in and making us really hungry. So where else can we eat your food? Fire is open now in Maidan. If you're not on a yacht in the F1, we'll put that aside. Where else in Dubai? And have you got any events coming up? Any? you do Don't any live cooking?
4: Yes, ma'am. We've got, uh, we've got Liwa. We've got Mother of the Nation. We've got al Sirkal, We've got Seoul. Uh, Time Out Market is 24 hours a day, 12 to 12. Come hang out. Uh, we're at all of the outdoor events this season in Dubai, all of the outdoor events in Abu Dhabi. And uh, if you miss us, we'll always be at either Time Out at Motar or at Faya in Medan. Thank
0: you so much. Have a brilliant time at the F1. Hope to see you soon. In the meantime, you can be found at Hatem Mata on Instagram, the world's yeah. first Arab pit master and uh, oh, yeah. all-around brilliant human. Hatem, have a wonderful weekend God. and we'll see Thank you soon, God. all right? Thank, Thank you. you. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai i 103.8.
1: With Spinney's Eat Well, Live Well.
0: I think it's fair to say we're in silly season. Dubai is crazy cuckoo right now, especially in the F&B space. So how do you stay on top in such a competitive market? Restaurant Secrets Inc. is the region's largest and most established F&B incubator firm. And they've revealed their latest project, 1640 Pastronomy. We've got the founder and CEO, Gabrielle Mather, with us today. How are you, Gabrielle? I am well. How are you, Helen? I think you can just take a little pause with me. Just relax, because exactly. you're running all over town. Just sit You've got, We've got some snacks. We have a cup of tea and a party ring. Um, Where do we even begin? Let's start with a new project. What have you been working on and
5: is it ready for public consumption? So that cup of tea, let's get that first (laughs) on the table because I want to say so many things today and I'm going to try and do it in the little time we have together. Spill the tea. It's been a crazy week actually and it's not uh, a week that is my usual week. I do want to slow down but in the last week I have launched a new business I've been at the conference talking about data monetization, and I'm here today talking with you on my favorite show. So it's been Yay. a blessed week with lots of amazing things happening. And 1640 Bistronomy is the new business that we've launched last week on the 21st. It's a project that's been in the making for years now. And I remember coming to you during the pandemic, and we spoke about the cost of opening a restaurant, mm. the risks that that you know entrepreneurs face in the first year. And I've helped maybe 400 plus clients uh, in the last 20 years do different things with F&B. The one thing I've always uh, felt the most suffering for is when I saw a great concept not succeed eventually as a great business. Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to find ways to help in reducing those risks. But there isn't much, you know, the business is risky. So with 1640, the vision was to create an existing, running, thriving bistro in a thriving district of Dubai, which is Jumeirah, one of our oldest places, and then create a pop-up and a culinary hub within that thriving area.
0: Oh, so people can kind
5: of test the concept. Yes, exactly. I think you you, you definitely have an F&B angle because every time <laughs> I talk to you, you come up with ideas. That no, but
0: I find it really interesting because Dubai is kind of unique. When you think about other places in the world where you can test a concept, food trucks come to mind, and that's not really the case mm. here. Mm. Expo was a really interesting ground for trying out concepts. I mean, look at Bread Ahead, which came from Borough Market, mm. had never been in the UA before, and off the back of Expo has just opened its second branch. You've got Global Village, mm. where people can get you know good-priced good, good price real estate to try out their F&B concept, like Bosnian house kebab, for example, and now they've got branches. But it's, as you say, the outlay, the risk is terrifying and really completely inaccessible for an awful lot of people. So
5: tell us how it's going to work. Yeah, so it's exactly what you said. You know, we've seen great success with pop-ups. We've seen short-term brands find investors and find a market. And they've done it with passion. They've done it in a small space, the way it should be. Mm. Unfortunately, food trucks, though, they're a great way to launch businesses in the rest of the world because of our infrastructure here, our weather conditions, and the rest, they're not. So what what I've been thinking and working on is a space where you have 12 months a year uh, indoor capacity. You have a consultancy that is holding your hand, walking you through it, but rather than keeping it academic and keeping it in the office, we're bringing you now into the field, we're bringing you into a space where you can get your hands dirty, you can roll up your sleeves and you can watch your product being developed, you can watch the challenges of service, you can meet your customers, you you have the potential to meet investors coming on board, you can run your social media, you can run your marketing virtually while you have a real space where you can test your product as a pop-up for a limited edition time look at the response on the price, look at the response on the taste, and then either you have the confidence and the experience you didn't have or you have an investor on board. So either way, it just works out. Ooh, we're going to find out more about the kind of
0: concepts that could be popping up at 1640 Pastronomy. Gabrielle from Restaurant, Restaurant Secrets, Inc. is with us. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye
1: 103.8. With Spinney's Eat Well, Live Well.
0: Do you have a foodie dream? Have you had that fantasy about starting a restaurant, starting a cafe, but maybe you don't know where to start? Well, industry insider Gabrielle Mather of uh, Restaurant Secrets Inc., the most appropriately named consulting firm and incubator firm, has revealed its latest project. uh, 1640 Pastronomy is opening in Jumeirah, Albussell Road with a bistro and an opportunity for pop-ups as well to test in real time their concept, their dishes, their service, and ultimately see that customer response. So tell us a little bit about what you're
5: looking for when people come in and take over that space, Gabrielle. Um, I think a lot of our clients will benefit first uh, before the others do. Um, it was custom-built, keeping in mind what we're what we see our clients face. So, uh, typically, a client would come in and build a brand and take the risk of taking their lease, mm-hmm. uh, a fit out cost, a design cost, and then the recruitment cost, the kitchen equipments, and the list goes on. Here, you've got a ready space where you can now focus on your product and your brand. Those are the two things that Dubai loves, right? A great product and, and a brand that, that speaks to you, that has something unique to offer. So now we can focus on getting those things sorted out. The client comes in and showcases their product for a limited edition. So it's a pop-up space where it shifts a little bit. So you could be coming in and having a meal at 1640. You would get the normal menu. Can I just ask, yeah. 1640,
0: what's the name about?
5: Ah, That's a nice one. It's got so many meanings, but the one that's closest to my heart is, you know, Hamptons is one of my biggest projects, one of my dearest projects uh, from 2013. And the Hamptons, uh, the region was... Uh, actually born in 1640. So I wanted that connection always with something that's so close to my heart. To have that
0: thread running through Yeah, yeah. So
5: on a typical day then, could you be having almost two different experiences in the space? Exactly. So you could have, you could come in for your regular favorites off the menu because the bistro serves a European fare and you've got, you've got a Jasper grill, you've got salads, you've got main courses and you've got uh, a zero bar. Where you can have all the fun of a cosmopolitan without, you know, without the alcohol and stuff. A but few then, no
0: saccos. And-
5: <laughs> so it's it's very interesting what's happening with the zero bar, and we've actually kept a watering hole space there that opens out to the outdoor, and you could enjoy a drink or a coffee. Uh, during the day or at night. But then while you're sitting there enjoying that, somebody could bring you a pop-up menu and say, you know, we've got this new brand popping up with five items. It could be a burger. It could be ice cream. It could be churros. It could be anything that, you know, that this particular client is hoping to venture out with. And you get a chance to get the first sneak preview at a really good price, at a really entry-level review of, of an amazing new idea while you're also having the, the the regular menu. So these are things that can happen as we go along, and they will happen as a calendar over the year.
0: So people could be, you know, changing, you know, uniform change, yeah. menus coming <laughs> around. But isn't that what I think a lot of Dubai diners want is that sense of discovery and feeling like you're trying something before anybody else?
5: Yeah, yeah. So I, I think we're not going to confuse people too much by shifting around. So the base is solid. The foundation, I always, I'm a traditionalist at that part, you know, you have to have a strong foundation service and an ambience and a space that makes people feel comfortable and there's a familiarity. Mm-hmm. And then you have room to experiment and people love experiences. So, for example, La Serre is going to be our first pop-up coming up as a breakfast pop-up. Uh, on December one, for a limited period, for from eight o'clock in the morning, and we've done a special menu. We've done a La reserve menu. That's a limited edition menu to celebrate the tenth anniversary of the brand. Has it been ten years? Yeah, it's been ten whole years now. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness, I remember doing a photo shoot at La and it was I think, maybe easy, like with, like you know, hands in flour mm. and like, amazing pastries, and ten years. Yeah. Gosh, and you're looking at the next generation as well, all the way through and, and bringing them up. Gabrielle, for anyone that wants to find out more, well, first of all, where, where can we visit you at 1640? Uh, so something?
5: we are at Wassel Vita, which is at Wassel Jamira It's an old established uh, area of town. And we've got an outdoor seating, we've got an indoor seating, and we are open. So come by anytime, yeah. Um, And online for anyone that is
0: looking for your consultancy, for your insights, it's Restaurant Secrets Inc. And if you want to send me the word restaurant, I'll happily send the link. Where are you going this weekend? What are you eating? What's the food plan? You in the know.
5: I'm actually going for the F&B Awards tonight. I'm not getting an award. I'm just going to enjoy other people, deserving people, pick it up, and I will just sit put my feet up and enjoy the great F&B. Got some gossip. And a lot of gossip, yeah. (laughs) Good
0: stuff. Well, enjoy. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. 1640 for astronomy, open now. European Bistro and you've got that reserve menu from LaSerre starting the 1st of December. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
1: With Spinney's Eat Well, Live Well.
0: We love introducing you to the tastemakers, the producers, the chefs, and it's Chef Priel now from Dolce de Merche. Her culinary creations are plant-based, vegetarian, inspired by her childhood, those memories of Thailand, Hong Kong, her Indian roots, She's been in, in, in uh, the UAE and in New York on and off for the last 15 years and creates private dining experiences. She was doing supper clubs before she knew they were called supper clubs. Also has cooking classes, does menu development and exploring what she calls the intersects between art, design and food, creating unforgettable dining experiences. Chef Priel. First of all, welcome. Thank you. Second of all, best snack from your home country. And, and what do you define as your home country?
6: Uh, so for me, home is Bombay in India. And I think from the top of my head, my favorite snack would be panki, uh, And it's basically... Uh, a rice batter cooked in a banana leaf and it has spices in it and you basically cook it and you eat it with uh, a spicy coriander chutney. That sounds delicious. It's absolutely delicious.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. So it sounds like you were having some good food growing up. Tell us a little absolutely. bit about <laughs> the decision to become a chef because it wasn't something... I have meet so many chefs and they're like, well, I knew when I was eight, I was working in the kitchen at 13, I had my own restaurant by the time I was 22. That wasn't <laughs> the way it went for you. Tell us about your path.
6: Yes. So I actually started off uh, working in corporate. I was working in FMCG, um, but I constantly had an inkling that I wanted to be in the food space. My mom is an absolutely incredible cook, and I've always been grown up and surrounded by such amazing food. And I just wanted to uh, get into the food space, but I wanted to be um, a trained chef. So I went to culinary school and I did a full chef training program. And um, I was in New York for five years, which is one of the best cities in the world to be inspired by food. And so that's how I got into um, the space. And then after culinary school, I um, started my uh, private dining in New York and then moved to Dubai.
0: Tell us about the plant base. Why, Why is that such an important part of your philosophy as a chef?
6: Absolutely. So I actually grew up a vegetarian. So of course, that was part of my family's like culture and religion. But of course, there's so much um, more to it, um, like the benefits of the animal welfare and the environment, and of course, eating healthier because of it. Uh, but for me, it's always been something like, a lot of people like come up to me, and they're just like, Oh, you're a chef, and you're only doing vegetarian food. Like, How come? And like, for me, it's just like there's, that's all I've ever had. There's Mm -hmm. like only vegetarian food. And it's something which has never appealed to me to have non vegetarian food, just because I know how amazing vegetarian and vegan food can be. And my mission as a chef is to basically show everyone else and break the misconception that vegan and vegetarian food is boring and to basically make more stimulating plant based experiences. So that's your you're throwing down the gauntlet to people like me
0: who <laughs> <laughs> rarely have a meat free day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so can you share some tips and tricks for anyone that's looking to, and it doesn't need to be, you know, 100% plant-based or, Absolutely. you know, vegan overnight, because I, th- I think that's unrealistic, it's unsustainable, and it's an awful lot of effort for a lot, for a lot of people who, like me, have grown up kind of, you know, omnibore. Tell us then about some products or techniques that you think could be really beneficial to people listening today.
6: Um, so I think for me, like, actually, a lot of people, when they're switching uh, to being either vegan or vegetarian, kind of resort to, like, the mock meats or, like, the beyonds and the Impossible's and. For me, I actually think uh, I kind of stay away from those because I think there's so much with just fresh fruits and vegetables and legumes and soy. And just with by using those, you can make such amazing things and you can be so creative and the flavors are so much nicer and mm-hmm. you can achieve incredible textures. So I would say actually try to explore more with just, like just look at ingredients on their own and see how you can, take that and also it's i was cheaper as well absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and also um of course everyone knows like mushrooms are umami but for me like you know i really think mushrooms can take a dish to another level altogether like there's so much you can do with mushrooms and it's like been on my mind for a very long time to do a menu completely from a to z like entirely mushrooms and hopefully i'll be able to do it soon but there's so much flavor so much texture you can bring out that now like in the dubai there's there's so many different brands like growing Some their own beautiful mushrooms beautiful ones we had this exactly. beautiful pink
0: oyster absolutely um, last year was that Beyond farm, I need. I to think Google below it. farms below farm. Yeah, exactly. It was like an advent calendar, but a mushroom. Yeah, you give it a little spritz of water, and the next morning you come in and go, "Oh my goodness, it's grown!" Exactly. It was real. <laughs> my kids loved it. It was so so exciting. Yeah. Um, so we had a message going where. <laughs> Thank you for that, Shan. Uh, so where are you? Where are you cooking? Where can we find you online and in real life if we want to try your food?
6: Absolutely. So there I have two. One is um trade Mirce, where which, which is my supper club. So I host my supper club at home and and then I also do private dining. So the private dinners I come to your home and I curate the same experience at your home. So You can be like, Priya, like I have a group of eight people, I have a group of 12 people. Um, Let's do a menu together and I'll come over and curate a full sit down experience for you. Um, And just around the corner in December, I'm actually launching my own catering venture called The Green Table. Congratulations. Yes. So I want to basically um, bring more like flavorful and creative canopies, live stations and grazing tables, again, both vegetarian and vegan.
0: If you want the information you can send me send me the word veg. Let's keep it easy. <laughs> And I will send you the Instagram for Chef Riel from Dulce de Merchi. I have to say your Instagram is a thing of beauty.
6: Thank you so much. There is
0: nothing worse than bad food photography and yours (laughs) is making me hungry just looking at it. Thank you. Such, as you're saying, that intersect between, you know, art and taste and design and bringing people together. And I think education as well. Absolutely. Um, So thank you so much for your enthusiasm. And as I said, send me the word veg to 4001. (laughs) You can do that on the app or the WhatsApp and I will send you the Instagram so you can find out more about supper clubs, about that upcoming catering and, of course, events and private dining as well. Have a wonderful weekend ahead. Thank, Thank you, you, you so, too. so much. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye
1: 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
0: We're on the countdown to COP28, and this is actually a conversation that our next guest is having all the time, but something I think we're all a bit more tuned into now. Talking about food waste now with Kiri Chandler. She's a business, consult- business sustainability consultant and the co-founder of Food Made Good, initiative for the UAE. Um, I want to hear about where your passion for this area of research and work done, because there's an awful lot of people who are really interested but don't necessarily make it their life's work. Where did it start for you, Kiri?
3: like you, I mean, I love food. Um, I think maybe it started also with parents that owned and operated a restaurant. And then I fell into hospitality and tourism that takes you to travel. And you love those types of experiences. And food brings people together, all those good things. And then I guess 10 years ago, I started really understanding uh, more about our food systems Mm -hmm. through study. And I realized that there was so much more to our food system that needed fixing. And that built up a lot of respect for our food systems, which I had no idea about before. And it just grew from there. And And I guess with the mix of, of hospitality and that, and that love, mm-hmm. I figured that should be an area to focus on. There's a problem that needed to be solved. Um, wow.
0: So tell us about your mission then with Food Made Good. How do you summarize that?
3: Well, Food Made Good is an initiative uh, run by the Sustainable Restaurant Association out of the UK. But we're a global association. We have over 10,000 food service operators all over the world that have been guided by this framework. And this framework is aligned with the SDGs. And it basically helps food operators, whether they're cafes, restaurants, Michelin star restaurants, what does good look like? So this can be something different for everybody, right? Right depending on um, how you operate, where you are, all the constraints you have. You might have different focuses. So it's a really holistic framework that can guide you as a business tool to try and integrate sustainability into your operations.
0: Um, I think it's really important to notice that it looks like different things for different people. You know, I've had chefs on the show, one out of London in particular, a restaurant called Silo, and he's got a zero bin kitchen there is no Amazing. bin in his kitchen yeah. and you know the supplies he works with is a case of I won't work with you if you're putting your produce in plastic yeah it's it's just it, it, that the relationship isn't going to happen and then you've got restaurants who are really just trying their best to make some small changes you've got restaurants who are doing it for the bottom line as well thinking about you know really trying to sell, save themselves a few dirhams um would you mind breaking out some data when we're talking about food waste what kind of numbers are we talking about Kiri
3: it's terrible. Um, I mean, on a global uh, scale, you're looking at if food waste was a country, it would be the third largest country. But, <gasps> but most people can't really relate to that, right? But on, an, on a UAE um, basis, we throw away 6 billion derms worth of food every year, just throw it away across our whole food system. So w- what does that mean to you? I mean... Um, if you had to throw away a third of what you spend on food just in the trash, that's huge.
0: Where is this waste taking place? Because that's what I kind of quite, find quite interesting to identify it, you know, because whether it is food storage on a farm or mm. in transportation or in shops or in restaurants or us as consumers? Yeah. Where are some of those pain points?
3: Yeah. So food loss is classified as everything from the farm, the distributorship of it, right up to the retail, right up to the spinnies. Um, that's food loss. So everything that spoils on the farm and, and in transportation. But when you're talking about food waste, then it's from the retail onwards. That um, it largely involves us as consumers and households and restaurants. And so we need to engage with the whole system, across the whole system
0: we're going to be talking about some actionable changes and you might not think you as one individual listening today can make a difference but my goodness it is possible um, there has also been news out of the uae one official saying that fines could eventually be imposed on households generating high levels of food waste we're going to be talking to kiri chandler from food made good on that this is farmer's kitchen on dubai i103.8
1: with spinneys eat well live well
0: Talking food waste and ideally how to avoid it now with Kiri Chandler. She's the co-founder of Food Made Good, an initiative for the UAE with the amazing Omar from Boca, who really does talk the talk and walk the walk there at that DIFC restaurant from kitchen to education. And I want to get an understanding of things that we can do, try, change, adjust, whether it's this weekend when we're doing our supermarket shop or when we're dining out. Kiri, what would you love to see everyone in the UAE try?
3: Well, you know, I was discussing this with you before. I live and breathe this, so I sometimes forget all these things that you can do. But you basically need to make these habits, make these changes, and make them all normal. So have you heard of NEMA? NEMA? Yeah, this is our national initiative for the reduction of food loss and waste. So NEMA means uh, blessing in Arabic. And so this is a partnership between Ministry of Climate Change and the Environment and the Emirates Foundation. On their website, they have a ton of tips. And some of them are for consumers, some of them are for hospitality. But they give some really good nudges in terms of trying to get us to make these behavioural changes. And a lot of it is based on just reducing consumption. I have to say,
0: the overordering is something that really gets me. Also, I should say, I'm, I'm not afraid of a doggy, of a doggy bug. There are like always. I had leftovers for lunch today. But I feel like there's still a bit of a stigma of saying, oh, can I get that to go?
3: There is. You're get right. it to go. Yeah, absolutely. So love your leftovers. If it's from a restaurant or if you've made too much, never go to a grocery store when you're hungry. <laughs> when you're- Wiser words, never spoken. <laughs> Meal plan, you know, um, love your leftovers. Put them in the freezer. Leftovers always take, um, taste better the next day. Anyway. right.
0: Anyway. What about when we're dining out? I mean, over-ordering, I've just mentioned there. And I I always have to say quite relieved during the pandemic where we saw a reduction in the number of buffets that were being offered. Yeah. Um, And what would you love to see, at a a bigger scale, some of the hotels, hospitality companies putting in place?
3: There are some initiatives that are really smart. Um, Chef Russ at Sofitel Obelisk has done some amazing work there just by changing his breakfast setup. So instead of big buffets to show opulence and abundance, he's done more a la carte, really quality ingredients. Um, So changing the mindset and really educating the diner and the guest You could ask for smaller portions if you're not sure about how big things come. I mean, always we come and and it's like, oh, we should have shared this. Mm -hmm. So that type of thing. I think, um, you know, we don't have to show our genuine hospitality with this enormous spread. We can be... uh, more selective the quality of ingredients is important what about talking about the ingredients with the guest and the diner where's where does this food on my plate come from do you feel like people value what's on their plate more when they know more about it well i i feel they do and there is a lot of research to support that but in reality is that happening
0: i don't know and i'll, I'll be honest when i've had chefs talk about sustainability before i'm like i've said off there do you think people really care and they're like not really it's a nice to have it's an, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a feel-good thing if, if you know a restaurant is really, like Chef Russ and Piazza, for example, you know, if they are really being very mindful and thought about it. But I don't think for many people it's a reason to go to a restaurant. I don't think it's motivating yet.
3: No, we're, we're not at that level. Um, But for many cities around the world, that is a motivation for diners. Mm. And in the food made good world, there's an accreditation where people that really are looking for restaurants that are showing some social impact and focus on environment or focus on people, they look for those restaurants. Mm. They seek them out. So maybe we're just not there yet. Um, I saw an interesting stat the other day, which was
0: talking about even having a smaller menu stops people over-ordering, which I thought was really interesting to think about the psychology of ordering food.
3: And that comes back down to the design of the menu, doesn't it? Because chefs are now looking at how many ingredients they really need to order in and what is being wasted. So mm-hmm. how can we design a menu using this one ingredient in five different dishes? And um, we've had a message here saying, can leftover buffet food be used for
0: charity? What, where are we at now in terms of whether it's, you know, food bank relating to supermarkets or indeed, you know, food going to the needy?
3: Honestly, I don't know. This is a grey area. I think we are working towards uh, certain types of food that have been on a buffet and untouched. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they actually haven't even been on the buffet yet, but they're ready. They're already prepared. But there's a lot that you know needs to revolve around food safety. Absolutely. And I think also from a from a kitchen's point of view, it's such a ch- it's a
0: choice, isn't it? It's a choice to say we are going to weigh what's coming back from the buffet. We're going to identify that you know. The smoked salmon actually isn't that popular, so we're going to reduce what we what we you know put out there. But you can't change what you don't measure. Does
3: that make sense? It is. It is. And in, a lot of hotels too are saying, um, okay, so there's an abundance of things for you. Just just select what you eat. You can always come back for more. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty. Um, so don't be afraid to to go back, but eat what you have. I
0: was well, I was in Slovenia over the summer, and um, it's a very anyone who went to the Slovenian. Um, pavilion at Expo, very green country in many ways, and everywhere the little signs, and not, not in a kind of preachy, patronising way, but little signs saying, you know, you know take, take what you want, but eat what you take. Yeah. Just yeah. these little nudges and reminders. So this weekend, are there, I mean, obviously Boca is a given, are there any restaurants here in the UAE, and we've now got that green star from Michelin, which I think is a great way of signposting. But are there any kind of unsung heroes in this space where we could be voting with our feet in our dirhams, Kiri, to really make a difference? There
3: are so many. Um, I love dining out um, if you can battle the traffic and get out there and, and, and dine somewhere nice. But just the other day, I went to a restaurant in Dubai, Silicon Oasis. That happens to be close to where I live. So that was a motivation. But also, this is a hidden gem. This is called Magow. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's like a social club as well. Yeah, it's from issues. Yeah. yeah. And they have the most amazing food. I mean, the quality and everything actually can be veganized if you want, but they're not a vegan restaurant. But the quality is amazing. The presentation, the chef, the staff, they're really nice. So that's a good one.
0: Anywhere else? I mean, Boca, we know. Um, we've also seen fantastic work. Akira Back has recently done a zero-waste dinner there. Um, theres It feels like, and I hope it's... I hope it's not just a COP thing. I hope it's going to be something, you know, a conversation that's going to be continuing. What are your hopes that's going to come out of COP28 here in the UAE on the food waste front?
3: Look, I mean, OK, so we're looking for restaurants that are doing great work. There are plenty, but no one is talking about it enough. So we've got Lowe's, we've got Table, we've got Boca um, I would encourage restaurants that we talk to off-sides and, and telling us what amazing things they're doing, come forward and share those things because other people can learn from that and they, we can create a bit of a momentum. And also from a diner's point of view, to be asking for that province, to be asking
0: what happens. I've just found the restaurant for you. You're right. It was Mogao M-O-G-A-O, Dubai, Asian Fusion, their silicon oasis so we love a recommendation Kimmy. thank you so much for coming in for anyone Thanks. that does want to have a bit of a deep dive into some of the data you've talked about today and of course find out more about the initiative and some of the tips you've been discussing with food made good where can we where can you signpost us
3: uh you can follow instagram i mean omar posts all the time on his uh instagram as well linkedin but FoodMadeGood.org is the place that we're that we're uh, following in terms of the framework.
0: We'd love to keep this conversation going. I'd love to be catching up in a few months to say, do you know what, this has changed, this has started, and let's hope some really big conversations are going to be happening from next week as well. Kira Chandler, thank you so much. Business Sustainability Consultant and the co-founder with Omar from Boca at Food Made Good.
2: You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
1: With Spinney's Eat Well, Live Well.
0: Producer Chloe is in the studio. We've torn her away from lots of organising. She's got the snacks. <laughs> Chloe hailing from Australia and made some pretty bold claims earlier this week about Australia having, you think, the best snacks in the world. I think so. Mm. I think they're pretty good. Maybe I just miss them a lot. Aww. But <laughs> they're pretty good. Luckily, Spinneys to the rescue. We did a, a, a trolley dash. and um, What did we buy?
4: Okay, I have... No one's going to know except for all the Aussies. Come on, Aussies. So I need Aussies in the text line. I
0: have Cheezles. You, you, yeah, Cheesy crisps In the, <laughs> yeah. sh- can I have in the little- shape of a ring. Bring them over. Pass them over. Right. Okay, I'm going to eat while you talk. Okay, so <gasps> they smell the way amazing. you eat cheesels. You obviously put it on your finger. Absolutely. Okay. Mm. <laughs> for the Classic Brits, party food. They're like a whatset, but circular. Those are really good. What else?
5: Okay, we've got a box of
4: shapes here. Which... So I've
0: been buying shapes for years. Didn't know they were Aussie. Oh,
4: yeah.
5: Pizza,
0: are... Pizza-flavoured shapes are delicious.
4: Yeah, well, right now we've got the barbecue ones. I'll pass
0: these are ones. The... Okay, all right. <laughs> this is the best day at work ever. Mhm. More shapes. And then, yeah, we've got also the Vegemite and cheese shapes, which I haven't tried. Oh, That's a good crunch. You're making everybody hungry. On the sweet front, we did have a bit of a discussion earlier with Laura Cochran. Penguins versus Tim Tams. And even us, as Brits, reckon Tim Tams have it. Tim Tams are amazing.
6: Tim Tams are really good. You also
0: were talking about caramel koalas, caramello koalas. So right. they're like
4: little Freddo frogs, mm.
0: but they're koala shaped. Natch. And
4: they've got like a gooey caramel in the middle. It's really yummy.
0: Okay, I'm gonna have a bite of the Vegemite shapes. And we are we did a bit of a a bit of a tour around the office earlier. What were we, we doing?
3: We put to the test burger rings mm.
0: versus roast beef monster munch. This is what happened a good
4: crunch (laughs) it's a good crunch getting
0: these are really yummy okay we're going into snack number two Mm, i like this one the first one that's one for the brits okay so that's one for monster munch this was taste test number two this is the monster munch roast beef flavor a staple in packed lunch boxes if you're lucky if your mum loves you that's what you get Mm. Oh no! It's two for the Brits. <laughs> and then we got your fellow countryman, Chris Fade I really thought I'd get a point on the board here. Mm, no. So Chris might have a bit of a uh, bit of skin in the game, mm-hmm. given his upbringing. How okay.
1: Well? I've had these before.
0: Good. No, they're good. Are they burger rings? Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go on. Take a few. I'm taking two. <laughs> two. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Okay. I didn't realize that they do taste yeah. Chris Fade, what was saying? Now, oh, no. Australia are the best cricketing country right now. <laughs> but I will say that the Burger Rings are not as flavorsome as these Monster Munch. I'll be honest.
1: Yes. I, I had to, I, honestly. I'm, honestly. Yeah.
0: And our colleague, Brenda. She uh, she needed no encouragement to get involved in our taste test. Now, from the Emerald Isle, we've got the lovely Brenda. We've got Monster Munch roast beef, and we've got burger... Rings. Rings, burger rings. Okay, let's try the burger rings.
5: Mm. <laughs> Say it. Monster Munch, all, all day, <laughs> every day. Except the pickled ones are better. Oh, I agree. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They are better, as it happens. So that was four out four going for the Monster Munch. But I will say huge thank you for introducing me to, to some shapes there. And the chisels? Chisels. Chisels, You yeah. haven't tried twisties yet. We're I'm going like to save them for the car on my way to, my bed, to the baseball. And we did get
4: a text about violet crumbles as well.
0: Shout out to you, Ted. Aussies <laughs> represent. Huge welcome to producer Chloe and uh, an even bigger welcome to the snacks that she brings. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai I 103.8.